Hello and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, the podcast series where we sit down and enlighten my co-host on all the films he missed throughout his childhood. My name is Chris and I'm joined by... Eric. I'm, uh, I'm the co-host who's missed all of them. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> our film this week is sort of following a similar vein to the Blues Brothers. Very much so. It, it kind of worked really well pulling this out. It's They're very kind of mm. similar comedy styles, I would guess. So, we're doing uh, Harold Ramis' 1983 film, National Lampoon's Vacation. Let Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Imogene Coca, Randy Quaid, John Candy, and Christy Brinkley. You for a ride. This summer, when you think vacation, think National Lampoon's Vacation. Did he direct it? Yes. Well, there you go. I'm it learning is already. <laughs> second film as a director? Yep. First being Caddyshack. Yeah. Also starring Chevy Chase. Yep. And uh, then this, and then that was when he kind of shifted more to doing the writing and acting, obviously, in Ghostbusters and yep. things. And then I think, you know, I think around the same time as well was him acting in Stripes with Bill Murray. Which, oh, yeah, okay. Which I'm, I'm impressed he could work with Chevy Chase. Yeah, well, he he was part of... control him. Yeah, he was part of that similar... Like, obviously, it's a National Lampoon film, and um, before getting their start on Saturday Night Live and things, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray and Ramis and Bill Mm -hmm. Murray's brother Brian Doyle Murray, a bunch of them started working... uh, There was a National Lampoon's radio hour where they were doing... so what is National Lampoon's? So there's a radio hour. Okay, National Lampoon's (laughs) for... I'm just going to... The National Lampoon it was started by uh, two wonderful comedy writers, Henry Baird and Doug Kenny, who were the editors of the Harvard Lampoon, yep. who decided, oh, yeah. hey, instead of going out and getting real jobs, let's just keep doing this. And so they created the National Lampoons. They teamed up with this guy, Matty Simmons, who ended up being their editor and kind of publisher. Mm-hmm. And, oh, sorry, publisher, not those two guys, who were the editors. Yep. Start off as this massive this magazine that slowly built steam. Then they shifted off to doing radio plays, yep. movies, all, and then it just grew. Wow. Uh, there is an incredible documentary called uh, Brilliant Drunk Stone Dead yep. about the history of the National Lampoon. Mm-hmm. And recently um, on Netflix, there's a fictionalized movie version of that, uh, in particular, The Life of Doug Kenny. Oh, uh, cool. Called a futile and uh, stupid and futile gesture, starring uh, Will yep. Forte as Doug Kenny, uh, yep. jo- Joel McHale coincidentally as Chevy. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> he would love that. But yeah, if you're wanting yeah. a history lesson on the Lampoon, I'd just yeah I'd kind of push listeners towards those. Yeah. I, that was one of the weirdest things. I obviously haven't seen this one. Um, I have seen European from start to finish a long time ago, and as you've told me, it's rubbish. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. Yeah, European um, vacation. I don't remember it well enough. Yeah. Um, I was pretty young. That's so probably a good I just thing. thought it was just a goofy comedy. Yeah. Um, obviously, this one should be better. I've seen a bit of Christmas, um, but not all of it. Mm. And I've oh, never seen this one at all. So I always looked at the posters and go, Nas- National Lampoon... Uh, what is that? The, I, that? That's not the family name. They're the Griswolds. Like, yeah, <laughs> the National Lampoon, it never, really, it never made it here no. in Australia. So. so that's where I... It didn't make it at all obviously yeah the, um, the brand name of Lampoon yeah. and things yeah so that already makes a bit more sense so it's really just called Vacation yeah um, yeah. yeah okay um, other than that do you, so you know nothing other than obviously Griswold family and yeah Griswold hikings. family and go on, on a vacation this time <laughs> just a regular one yeah. and then other times are based around national holidays or locations mm-hmm. and um, and from understanding from memory they're a family that you know they get along and stuff but just stuff goes wrong like yeah. You know, I don't know, I'm assuming they'll over-pump up a tyre or something. <laughs> so you're thinking, like, really kind of baseline 80s kind of stereotypical episodic comedy stuff. In a way, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, this one has has quite a good reputation. And Chevy, like, in, in Groundhog Day... Not Groundhog Day, sorry. Um, uh, golf, help me out here. Caddyshack. Caddyshack, thank you. Th- you. You're thinking of the... Um, I'm thinking of... Of the actual gopher. I think of the gopher, yeah. yeah. He caught the gopher, sort of. Um... In that, he's, he's good. Like, he's quite balanced. And, you know, I've never really seen Chevy apart mm. from Cranky Chevy. Um, so... So you're used to community Chevy. Yeah, that, I mean, there's little bits from childhood-like European vacation where I've seen him a bit. Yeah. Um, and he's fine in those ones. But, yeah, I, I've sort of seen him 
degrade within a role <laughs> in community. Yeah. Um, start off strong and get old. Yeah. Anyway. And disgruntled and... Disgruntled and... Racist and, and all bit, of his... Bit sick of it, yeah. yeah. So I've seen... Unfortunately, that that's the, it documents him quite well, that show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm looking forward to because he does have a rep of being, you know... Good and funny, and this is this has a rep of being well put together film. So um, yeah, he's one of those comedians. I think when you can control him, and when he seems to care, yes, is when you get a good heavy. Yeah, I think you know, give him a role where he's sort of in charge and he's happy. Yeah, um, and he's got a lot to do and can actually mm, play. Yeah, like Caddyshack, which I only saw for the first time a few years ago, was quite surprising to me just how many like separate storylines and yeah there's a how, lot going yeah, on yeah there's a lot going on there and like how separate Bill Murray's role really was to everything else because he's so iconic from that but uh, anyway so I, I'm expecting this to I'm not don't know what I'm expecting in terms of narrative I mm. mean go on holiday things go right and wrong in funny ways but whether there's like a Carrie Fisher shooting down buildings in the meantime I don't know <laughs> yeah um, you've got those wild card yeah, elements you just exactly. don't so um, no it, it'll be good uh, hmm that's about yeah. I'm I'm just expecting a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, should we uh, jump into the film? Yeah, let's put it on. Yeah, so uh, that was vacation. <laughs> it was. We watched vacation. Yeah. It it, it was a road trip. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was a road trip with some some good humour bits. Um, a, a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily hold up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I guess in 1983, you know, when the only African American characters are shown in slums. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, when I was doing a bit of research for like the trivia part at the end of the episode, um, I did find out that uh, Harold Ramis deeply regretted making putting that scene in. Yeah. That being said, it does have one of the, like, more classic memorable lines. Kids, you notice who all this played? This will just uh, make us appreciate what we have. <laughs> Roll them up. Yeah, no, yeah, there was actually a tiny... Yeah, like It's like taking like, a really bad <laughs> like thing yeah. and seeing it into actually having something that's... Yes. Somewhat good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the modern version is you would have a multicultural cast no matter what, and you just end up in a dodgy neighbourhood. Yeah. But um, anyway, yes. <laughs> but um, all of that, all of the kind of problematic element aside, it's it's an interesting one. I think it's it still holds up as in terms of a simple narrative executed yep. fairly well. Yes. Yeah. And you can really see the influence that it had in terms mm. of eighties comedies and in particular road movies and where kind of. Yeah, and one of the best things... Like, it doesn't muck around. It hits it straight away. Like, the first scene introduces him and Rusty and their relationship. It's, uh... They're getting their car. Yeah, the car. you're introduced to, dare I say, one of the other main characters of the family the- truckster. This is the new Wagon Queen family truckster. This is a... This is a damn fine automobile. The, the car, exactly. Um, In a weird little scene by uh, super young Eugene Levy. <laughs> yes. As oh, the uh, what car a, dealership. What an afro. Yeah, um, and those eyebrows, just as mean as they ever were. Yeah, they have not faded. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. But yes, yeah, so you get introduced to them, and obviously... Um, oh, I'm blanking. What's Chevy's character's name again? Clark. Clark, yeah. Clark Griswold. Yeah, that's what I thought. Clark W. Griswold. I was going to say that, but I was thinking Superman for some reason. <laughs> Um, but you get a good grip on him, then he's, deep, deep down, he's genuine, Mm. he's friendly, and he's likeable, and he loves his family. Yeah. Superficially, sometimes Chevy Chase pops out. Yeah, that, you get those few moments where you're just like, that's, that's Chevy, that's not Clark, that's Chevy. That's Chevy's popped out of Clark's skin for a little bit here. Um, but generally, Clark's character is like, he just wants to go on a road trip with his family and he seems very genuine when he says it's not his excuse to go to Wally's world no no um and like that's the thing his his genuine kind of good nature and things and love towards his family is what drives him and keeps you connected to him as a character yes despite like his flirt um flirtatious glances with Mm. um with what's her face Christy Christy Brinkley that's the (laughs) The one model yep in a Ferrari on the road and stuff like he still cares deeply he's still you know that kind of guy, because I guess it was the eighties as well. Yeah, um, yeah but um, <laughs> with anything, we're just gonna be like, it was the 80s. it was the eighties, the early eighties. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's really genuine, and like 
for the most part, his comedy is really... It, it, it's that kind of make-the-parents-style comedy. You know, a yeah. lot, not all of it, but that, that awkward, cringeworthy comedy, some of it. Yeah. But better. I can't stand Meet the Parents, for example. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> you, you know how Ben... And, like, Ben Stiller films. And some was... of them are awesome, and some of them are just cringeworthy bad. Yes. Uh, this delivers... The cringy moments are actually quite... Um, just did brief and to the point and delivered quite well. And do you think that might be because it's almost proto that what the cringe humor would eventually develop Turn into? into yeah, because yeah. that it's 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 cringe humor, but it's it's more leaning into the like derp. Yes, it's more of a yeah. It's like oh dear. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to like prolonging the awkwardness for like and, a- and nauseam. just like. Showing you the awkwardness that's going to happen, and you yeah. just have to sit there waiting for it to go wrong, and then just wallow it, <laughs> and then just like, oh, this is going to happen, and yeah. then it just happens for several minutes. Like early on, there was that scene where they're in the kitchen talking about the road trip, mm. and I noticed that he was, you know, she was wiping dirty dishes and passing them to him, and he was meant to put them in the dishwasher, but he was putting them in the in the cupboard. He was just wiping them down with a tea towel as though they were already clean. Yeah, it's but. It's a fun little visual gag, but it also kind of helps layer in the kind of oblivious and mm. somewhat one-minded nature of Clark with it's all about vacation, the vacation, the vacation. Yeah, and but they didn't dwell on that gag. No. They didn't bring it back. They didn't, no. like, have it that those were the plates that they packed and then they went to eat their first meal and they were rotten and stinky no. or something. Like, you almost could have missed it altogether if yeah. you weren't actually paying attention to what she was doing. So there were just really subtle ones. It wasn't trying to build a, a long, drawn-out cringe. No, the the cringe stuff comes from the simpler moments, like the dog peed on the picnic basket. Yes. And yeah. then you cut away from that scene, because that's... That's it. Joke's that's been it. told. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Edna just, oh, well, I'll eat it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> which is where it le- I think it leans more into the... Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which was, I guess, a, a biggish style around then. Um... Well, it's very kind of mainstream-ish. Like, it's just, it's simple, almost borderline Looney Tunes. Yeah, almost kind of. slapsticky sort of stuff. Yeah, which and, kind and of it, makes sense of this being a Warner Brothers film. Well, so. yeah. Mm. Uh, and the slapstick moments were, were fine. They were good. Like, mm. you know, when they backed the car out of the garage to depart and just knocked all the suitcases off. Yeah. But then they cut away from that and moved straight into the trip. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I think where the humour kind of holds up and makes it, like, it's quick to the point and never lingers. And yeah. And just moves, like... The film moves at a pace. It's it's fairly yeah. It doesn't it doesn't stop. They they keep moving through. They go. They travel two thousand however many miles. Yeah. Um. In eighty minutes. <laughs> yeah. Not much time at all. And you get those episodic breaks. I mean, it could you could easily argue that one or two of them is totally unnecessary. Like the is the it? wilderness camp, the camp comfort thing with uh, Brian Doyle Murray, and when they sleep. Yeah. In the camp, it's. It was more just to, you this could, is our next stop off, let's make it pretty bad as well. Yeah, and you let's could kind of tell that there was almost a, a scene that was meant to happen, yeah, happen there, but it just was like, it's... They're like, eh, we'll cut we, don't, we don't need it. We'll yeah. cut the fishing gag out or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And they just needed another stop off so that he could then tie the dog to the car. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much primarily why that scene yeah. exists. Yeah, we need a scene to get rid of the dog. Poor little guy. Probably kept up with you for a mile or so tough little mutt. Like, we were note, like commenting while watching it that the majority of the times when we laughed and really enjoyed the humour was the little simpler, perfectly mm. timed gags. Yeah. Like, when they're, like, you know, we can consider that, that's the last of our bad luck, go over cattle great, bags full. <laughs> suitcases full straight off the back. And, and, it's, and of some of them, it's only like one or two. <laughs> and Not they ha- happen to be the one with ones with her credit cards in yeah. there. Yeah. So it still had storyline impact as well. Exactly. It, it it was a joke that served a purpose in the end. Yep. And similarly, the highway cop coming up at yes. the perfect time to give the leash. Yeah, and... so they pulled them over with the leash trailing behind without a dog anymore. Yeah. And then he goes out and chats to him and he goes and tells the family. Yeah, it, it, well, he's making it, just doesn't want to upset Ed. Yeah, I was Ed speeding, now. okay? Russ, listen to your mother. I was speeding. I was driving like a maniac. And then the cop just rocks up. He's like, "You see, kids, a car." Here's the leash, sir. I'm going back to get the rest of the carcass off the road. And it's just so <laughs> perfectly timed with him. Like, yeah, yeah that's the, what the made it edit fun. And the timing is spot on. Yeah, because and it and it takes like a scene that you could sit there and be like, "It's uh, kind of that's kind of funny." Killed the dog, I guess. But it's also kind of really messed up. Yes, <laughs> like, very. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I should be almost like, yeah. 
it, it borderlines on that kind of cringy humor, yeah. but then it's punctuated with such a f- perfectly timed Gag. joke that yeah. makes Clark make made out makes him out to be the fool that he is. Like, yeah. The the comedy is always at the expense of Clark. It's never at the expense of other people. No, well, which that's is it. He good. cops the brunt of everything. Mm. And um, and that moment, other films may then focus on everybody going, "You lied to me! You lied to me!" In the car, mm. blah, blah blah, and Edna freaking out or something. And it might just roll on and on and on. No, it just moves on to the yeah, next. Yeah, just cut, cut away. Doesn't yeah, matter. It's like he's the fool. A cue Lindsay Buckingham song. Let's move yes. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, the song, by the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> how many? I I should have tried to keep count how many times you hear Holiday Road, in this. Uh, including the lead credits four times, I reckon. I'd, I'd almost push it up to like five or six, yeah, probably. Because it's, it's when they like first sort of set off. They had yeah. that karaoke, and then Holiday Road plays at some point, and then it plays like two times quite quickly. Yeah. As they're moving through certain. And stars. it's like the B-roll yeah. sh- helicopter shots of the car traveling. And, yeah. 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 Um, mm. <laughs> it's, it's, I was saying at the time, like, as soon as the song started playing, I was just like, that's the vacation song. Yeah. So you would have memories of this, like, being on TV or, like, being advertised yes, that's happening. Yes, definitely. Um, and whether that... Is, is it used in the other vacation films? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's. I think it's kind of used as, like, the staple song through. That being said, there is... Christmas Vacation has its own unique... Tune as well. Christmas Vacation yeah. song. Um, and I'm not too sure about... No. European, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's been kind of kept through as like the for lack of a better the theme, the of, theme song, yeah, yeah. Because I think I can picture as like you'd be watching it on TV, and as it would go to an ad break, and the title card would would pop up just before the ad break, and yeah. Then the holiday road part, which would, is a very night nice, like early like late eighties, early nineties thing to have title cards for ad breaks. Yeah, like, you're watching this, yeah. And then they play the tune over the top, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, so. As soon as I heard, it, I'm like, oh, that. I know that song again. So it would have been yeah. like the glimpses of like it. Yeah. But not actually. Yeah, no, we're never actually really watching it. Mm. Um, so yeah, none of the scenes were familiar to me at all. So I, I think I must have never caught any of this one. Mm. So overall, it kind of, it worked for you as a, as a film? Like... Yeah, yeah. I think, um, like, I, d- I don't feel an urge to rewatch it. That's, there were yeah. some moments I really did love. Like like we're saying, it's like, I, I did laugh out loud quite a few times at some of the simple brief gags a lot of the Chevy does deliver those sort of deadpan lines and and when he gets caught out in his little lies and stuff or whatever mm. he delivers them really really well yeah. and the timing i guess Ramus and and the the crew put it together the timing of some of the gags the, the more physical and and sight bait ones some of them were fantastic i laughed out loud multiple times yeah but then there are other times when my mind just wandered. Yeah, it, it's it's a film, even though it is does move at a brisk pace, there are kind of sections where it does get a bit dull. Yeah, and I don't know whether it's because you don't... I mean, whether you don't join in with all the characters. None of them are on a growth journey. The family as a whole goes on like a bit of a, bit of a growth pathway. Chevy then... Bursts out of Clark's skin and just swears at them all heaps. What do you think? I think you're all in the head. We're ten hours from the fun park and you want to bail out. I I don't mind that. Me neither, because the show of emotion shows his dedication to the trip, and it shows that he, it's getting to him, and he's finally mm, he's finally breaking a bit. Yeah, he just wants him to stick by him, and he'll get them there. And it, but it, it is establishing like, oh god, we're actually going to have some growth and some development, but it does never really ends up happening because at the end of the day it is just a simple one note kind of comedy yes so yeah but do you think like the te- like tedium's a bit harsh <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. dull, some of the more duller moments um or it, it not connecting with you all the way through do you reckon that's because they're such simple one note characters yeah maybe yeah like they're all pretty they're, yeah they're all pretty one-dimensional and, or to like I guess in that same kind of vein like you do Clark being so the friendly, likable guy, mm. it, it doesn't get annoying, but it gets, like, a little bit old to some degree, a little bit. Like, you want to see him be a little bit more normal, <laughs> as opposed to, like, just this sunshine and rainbows guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't mind it, because... Chevy nails it. But. Yeah, he does. I don't mind it, because for that sort of one, you, you do need the... 
I think his likability works quite well, because if he wasn't likable, I don't think I could watch it. Yeah, which um, is, yeah, why I find it so interesting, the the redeeming quality after the almost cheating on Ellen <laughs> is mm. so quick, and yes. you just kind of forget about that. Yes, yeah, like, well, all's forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> because it is just, they're pushing his likability so strong, but, yeah. Yes, yeah, and their relationship is just, well, it is strong through the movie, mm. to be honest. Where do we go from here? It's a bit of a tough one to... Well, yeah, because there's not a lot of depth. I guess when I when I talk about the film and why I wouldn't watch it again in a hurry... Okay, yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, certain certain jokes are really funny. Um, I know I really did enjoy them. And it, the length of the film was great, actually. Like, that is... If it was longer, it, there's it, no way I'd watch it again. Yeah. But for, you know, a 90-odd minute film... Mm. Um... So, just just for kind of clarification, what are some kind of, like, go-to, like, your constant return to comedies? Like, what are, you, what are some of your go-tos? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I can watch Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy a lot of times. Yeah. Just when I want quirky and weird. Do you reckon... Is, do you have a familiar, uh, familiarity with the novels and things, or...? Yeah, I've read them. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, but... And the film's a great adaptation, but it's sort of its own entity. Yeah, But yeah. I think just the execution, the world, the galaxy, mm. the quirkiness of yeah. that... Um, works really well for me. Um, as a kid, I could go to Happy Gilmore a lot. Yeah, okay. For some reason. Um, yep. Billy Madison was one I didn't watch that much. I just never did, but Happy Gilmore was the one I think I just had on VHS. Yeah. So that was just the easy go-to. Uh, and as a kid, I haven't really watched it as an adult. Weirdly, I was having a conversation with a friend Toby about this uh, over the weekend, and Billy Madison is a really weird movie. It's very surreal. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but... Uh... Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of really weird, surreal moments, and Happy Gilmore still has a lot of those. Yeah, but it's, it's a bit more toned, just... toned down a little bit. Yeah, and a bit more physical, I guess. Like, the it? weirder moments in Happy Gilmore is like them dance, like you know, on the ice skating rink, and then it pans up in this big craning shot, yes. and the janitor singing, just along. singing along. Yeah, yeah. like that's the weird yeah. moments. But yeah, <laughs> um, and then other more modern ones. I love Hot Fuzz. Yeah, like that's a great because there's a bit of you know. It's, it's just balanced. so solid. <laughs> it's just well put together, but yeah. it's balanced well with action and stuff. Mm. Um, and then, you know, movies like Hot Rod and stuff, if I just want something just really mindless. Yeah, well, that go- I think goes back to the... That's really surreal and weird as well. Yeah, so, yeah. like, if I just want something that makes no sense. Yeah, <laughs> just go for that. Yeah. <laughs> Lonely Island's always good for that. It's, I do find that one a little bit long, maybe. I don't think mm. I... I just kind of put it on and then probably just stop when I've had enough. Um, but that's interesting, because this... It is... It's really narratively driven, but it's so episodic that there's there's the essential through line, I guess, for the story is just they're going on vacation. Yeah. And apart from that, it's just this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. There's yeah. no proper through line. No, there's not as though there's um, three acts or anything like no. that. No. There's sort you of could, a final act. You could almost cut this up as a web series. Almost, yeah, and yeah, be like, this, uh, this week's episode is uh, like Cousin Eddie's place. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you could break it down into and this is where we um, leave the, we're going to leave the campground. Yeah. And the dog's not tied to the bumper. Like, it's yep. just like little five minute chunks of story beats that just occur within this one narrative of but we're I on a road trip. Guess if I compare it to say um the Blues Brothers. Yeah. The consistency from this start to finish is strong. Like yeah. it the pacing and everything is just one hundred percent. Like I said with Blues Brothers I found it had sort of two paces at the start and the end. Um and that very differently paced and differently styled in a way. And um, went from kind of quirky but me- measured to just out of control. Mm. Um, this was just, you got the same thing from start to finish. It was really well balanced and the pacing was good. Like it didn't throw heaps of comedy at you and then skip them out. It didn't throw in heaps of musical moments or heaps of physical moments. And then like it alternated between verbal and visual comedy really well. Yeah. 
and it just yeah, it, it set tight. its tone immediately and just mm. stuck to it the whole way yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, the ending is kind of yeah, abrupt it's and weird. Very abrupt. Yeah. I kind of liked how the Walt Disney look alike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, well, it's interesting because that's not the actual original ending to the movie. Really? What? What? How did it end? Uh, Do they go to jail? <laughs> well, no. The entire stuff at like Wally World never even. Happened. Oh, okay. Um, uh, the original ending of the film consisted of the Griswold family after seeing that Wally World is. Cl- forgive me, I'm reading this. <laughs> I had to have this written down. Uh, they go to the Hollywood house of Roy Wally. Clark points the BB gun at Wally and then forces him and his business associates to sing and dance the Wally World theme song before the police arrive and arrest Clark. The girl in the red Ferrari turned out to be Wally's daughter and she convinces him not to press charges against Clark. On the plane ride home, the Griswolds realise that they are on the wrong flight. Clark snaps and hijacks the plane. Alright. Uh, this did not go over well with test audiences. No! Uh, so basically, it's taken a little bit too far, I think, isn't it? Yeah, and so all of the stuff at Wally World was reshoots. Really? Which is why I think it is just such a sudden. Uh, let's get out of here. <laughs> Credits. Yes. Yeah. Um. End it now. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think it works way better because you do, even though it is under like bizarre circumstances. Yeah. You, they do fulfil their journey. You, they do, You've yeah, been along this quest yeah. with them for that long. Like, I mean, even Clark says it himself. It's no longer a vacation. It's a quest. Yes. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. I'm going to have fun, and you're going to have fun. We're all going to have so much f***ing fun we'll need plastic surgery to remove our goddamn smiles. You'll be whistling symphony doo out of your assholes. Yes, yeah, so, this broke down. This became something else. So at that point, you do want to see him fulfil that but yeah yeah the madness is set in by that point so yeah hmm. yeah and i don't know it's it's fun i did i did like the, the mildly recurring joke of um hawaii being the destination of choice but they couldn't go there yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah just over, over the rusty it's a simple thing of I, I think clark just doesn't like to fly there's like one weird offhand line at the beginning yes. of the kitchen that i think He's just against flying. Yeah, which... Mm. And I guess, like, you know, you do have the other moments where they're out in the desert and he said, like, you know... It's the constant recurring thing of having done something as a family tradition previously and now he has his own family and he wants to establish this... Yes. He, yeah. he, want, he wants to do something with the family. So the good intention is always there, even yeah. after he has gone off the rails. L- lost it a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I did like his relationship with um, Rusty, actually. Yeah. Um... So that that was that was good. Like his relationship with with Rusty, like Anthony Michael Hall did a great job. He really did, right? He just he just bounced off him well. Like yeah. he didn't have to do anything more than that. And I think this is probably I would imagine. Yeah, this has to be the first time Anthony Michael Hall worked with John Hughes and kind of mm. he saw him in this and you know plucked him to yep. be one of his leading his, men. Really, go to guys. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, Weird Science, Breakfast Club. Um, God, there, I feel like there's one more that I'm forgetting. Probably. Oh, yeah, 16 Candles, of course. There yeah. we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I thought they, like, I, I did like Clark's, like, well-meaning but really silly father-son chats. You know, I haven't had much of a chance to talk to you man-to-man, Russ. Well, I've only been a man a few days, Dad. Yeah, and the fact uh, that Rusty is always, like, <laughs> smarter than what his dad gives him credit for. You know, maybe she'd be a nicer person if she had a family of her own. You know, instead of always having to glom on to someone else's. You know. You're a pretty bright little guy. Excuse me, man. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it's fine. My dad <laughs> sat me down and we had a beer and he yeah. just sculls it all over. <laughs> yeah. Clark just yeah. chats away. Yeah. And it's even like uh, during the swimming pool scene at the motel, it's just like Clark's trying to sugarcoat stuff. He's like, yeah, n- no, I, I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this entirely. Yeah. Um... And that was... It was almost disappointing that he never had any scenes with Audrey. I don't know if that was the actress's fault in terms of maybe she couldn't... No, I just don't think it was... Ever written in? Yeah. yeah. And I think it is... Um, that kind of goes back to the the kind of source material for this. Um, so it's adapted from an article, mm. a massive like essay short story that uh, John Hughes wrote in the National Lampoon called yep. Vacation 58. 
Yeah. And it was a kind of story of his own family's horrible failed vacation road tripping to Disneyland when he was five years old. Uh-huh. And it was all told yeah. from the perspective of the kids. Yep. And so when this was, he originally adapted this into a script, it was actually like the majority of his work from the perspective of the kids, in particular the young boy, because that was kind of his yep, that was story. Him. Yep. Okay. But then when Hal Ramis and Chevy and everything came on board, they shifted it to be more the parents' story yep. and, and like kind of did rewrites. And yeah. So that's why the kids, so in particular, Audrey is just. Got pushed right to the side. Yeah. Yep. And it's kind of a bit of a bummer there's not much for Ellen as well. Like, yeah, you get her as a really supportive yeah. wife and a good mother. Um, you get, and you, you get that Clark. He definitely loves her. Yeah. Without a doubt. You, and you get so much, especially early on with the film, about their relationship yeah. and then together as a couple. Like, it's You great. know, it's strong. There's no rockiness at all. Yeah. Um, him flirting with the girl at the window is just him being a man. Yeah, kind really. of, right? Like, that, and that's all it seems to be. It almost then... works perfectly as a one-note joke. And I, th- I would dare imagine if the original ending wasn't in there with her mm. being Wally's daughter, yes. Wally's daughter, that... The swimming pool scene might not even exist. Mightn't have happened, yeah. Because it's just kind of unnecessary. They they just needed Clark to break down and then realise that he that's not what he wanted. Yeah. And then get back on track with Yeah, have, have a scene in the bar where he keeps getting rejected or something and then he has a talk to a wise bartender or something. Yeah, like, like something a bit more like that. But I guess he's not kind of the character who could be convinced by conversation. No. No. Um, so it needs to be something more physical or active, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know what that would be, but I guess that's why they went down that path. Yeah. And then Ellen's forgives him instantly. Yeah. It's like, sorry for acting up, Clark. <laughs> sorry I pushed you to cheat on me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of rough. <laughs> yeah, but they don't linger on any of that on either side of no. it. So it's not really the core of it all. No. At all. And there were never any like marital issues for the, any other part of the film. So it's mm. obviously not a core focus. I just needed a driver to go, we need to see Clark's passion for the trip, the quest. Yep. Um, we need him to go off the rails a bit. And, then we, need, and we need to show the, uh, the the rest of the family kind of turning on the quest as well. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Clark, under the circumstances, I wouldn't mind if we just went home. In retrospect, it seems like a pretty bad idea driving out. It's been one disaster after another. I did. I did enjoy the scene actually when they arrive at Wally's World and they're running there to the Chariots of Fire music. Yes. <laughs> and it's... like. Chevy's face and stuff when he's like, like pretends to drop tears. behind yeah single tear and then he drops behind in the slow motion race and then he speeds up and yep. it's like the look of joy yeah it's great he acts it really like he, he definitely stands out like oh yeah Chevy you got skills yeah <laughs> I, it again boils uh, boils down to when Chevy is in the given the right role and he cares oh, he's got it yeah he, he nails it I'd mm. say like you know, you brought up Caddyshack in the introduction, mm. and him as Ty Webb, like, he nails it. Yeah. It's just the carefree He just sails guy. through, yeah. and is consistent, and... That is just Chevy. Yes, <laughs> that role, yeah, pretty much, yeah, so that's is, why he yeah. nails it. But this, he he really cares, and I would say Christmas Vacation as well. He yep. gets a good script, and he cares. Yeah. And uh, Fletch would be the other one where I've, uh, like, of classic Chevy, that mm. I'm like, I he legitimately wants to make this film, and yes. yeah. it's a character that's perfect for him, so... Yeah, I mean, my, my most greatest exposure to Chevy has been in the community, of course. And mm. the, the first season, he he's wants to be there, and then yeah. he just gradually loses interest or whatever. When, and and it's also, I think, part of a fault of the writing as well. It's yeah, not. It's a little bit of everything, I think. Not that it was a conscious thing, but it, at the beginning, he's given a lot to do as a character in community, yeah. and then... And as he does the, it well. And as the show develops, they end up servicing other people's storylines. They give people like Annie, who never had much to do early on, more to do. Yep. Yeah. And Chevy definitely dropped by the wayside a lot. And yeah, which someone is... of his stature, really, yeah, yeah. Um, to be palmed back to, like, role C, um, yeah. and his level of sort of um, self-importance as well. Those two combined. Um, and Dan Harmon's, not, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> narcissistic ego but in it, there as well, yeah. It was interesting to see, because when I re- uh, re-watched season one recently he was he's good I, f- I forgot how musically talented he is yeah he plays he's, piano a lot in that yeah. first season. and like in his, his like casting alongs in this mm. movie was, you know him and um, Ellen were like Doing harmonizing really well I'm like, yeah this is legit um, 
I, it's the thing of like I can't remember him doing much musical stuff on Saturday Night Live and things. No, it's so. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's can definitely do it. Mm. Um, oh, actually, something that was pretty good. The intro with all the postcards. Oh, we yeah. I almost forgot to talk about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, um, it's, a, it's a classic kind of simple... Like, back when movies had, like, title sequences. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, but this one was just, like... Yeah, so it flashed up little postcards um, of all over America, of anything from a bridge to a house to a road to actual skylines. watermelons and oranges. And yes. <laughs> yep. Donkeys and, yeah. All sorts of, like... Um, cartoon ones, photo, photos, and everything, and it just reminded me of really like, yeah, Wes Anderson style. Mm. Like, his his are much more framed and stylized. Yes, um, but just like a flash up with a credit. Yeah, and it, then a flash up with a credit, and and, and the perfectly timed with the song as yes, well. And yeah. whenever it was more a postcard that was more than just a simple landmark, it was a nice subtle kind of simple postcard friendly joke that kind of helps set the light tone for the movie as well yes like a few comedic ones and it linger on them long enough for you to actually read them yeah Um, and I mean you could even push it to the extent of using all of these old postcards as helping to establish the idea of the kind of nostalgic idea of the road trip across America and yeah yeah that's exactly what it gave you it gave you because there was sort of almost like truck stop sort of ones I think from memory and yeah it just makes you Picture a classic American road trip. Yeah. So before the movie's even started, you're in the right mindset. Yeah, you, you, it, the, it perfectly puts you in that mindset to go on this road trip, but then just calamity happens. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to trivia and all of that kind of info, there's one person we have not discussed yet, and that is Mr. Randy Quaid. Oh, boys! I'm back! Randy! <laughs> Um, this is an amazing performance, and I, I dare I say an iconic performance from Randy Quaid. <laughs> okay. He, I, I legitimately love him in Yeah, I haven't film. seen I him think... in enough things to... I've seen him in Independence Day for certain. Yeah. And um, probably some other things here or there, but... Um... Yeah, like, I, the one I always forget, I'm just looking him up on IMDb now quickly, like, I, you always forget he's in Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> is he? Yeah, he plays the guy, the rancher, who hires them. And, oh, like, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's been a while since I've seen that. Mm. But it, it's super interesting, like, uh, Randy Quaid is such, uh, before we get into his actual performances, like Cousin Eddie, like the iconic role, he's such an interesting actor, because he, he got his start, he's been around since 1971, his first film wow. was The Last Picture Show, which is a black, amazing Peter Bogdanovich film. Yeah. It was kind of like the first film for, like, Jeff Bridges and Sybil Shepard. Like, it's a huge kind of Americana classic. Yeah. But, like, he was Oscar-nominated in 1973 for The Last Detail and things, and he'd done a couple of seasons on Saturday Night Live, but he was predominantly a dramatic actor. It's amazing, yeah. And this is kind of one of those classic ones. Like, you know, looking, I'm scrolling through his IMDb, and it's one of the first kind of real comedic performances he gives. Yeah. If not, like, one of his only, really. Yeah. Scrolling through. Um, and he just kills it. Yeah. He's so subtle and weird and... Yeah, I bet you could use a cool one, huh? Now you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit quirky without being over the top. Yeah, he could have leaned into it yes. super heavy. Yeah, which definitely. he does in... Like, Vegas Vacation, for sure. Oh, but, really? Yeah. Uh, and just a little d- a bit in Christmas as well. But in this, he's just subtle. Yeah. And, like, it, it's just that bit more awkward belie- relative. Bit more believable? Yeah. A bit like Paulie in the first Rocky. Yeah, kind of, right? And his, like, e- and his apparent evolution. Yeah, yeah where he has a robot butler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is that thing of, he's not... Yeah, he's not a caricature yet. He no. is just that awkward relative. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know why they call this stuff Hamburger Helper. It does uh, just fine by itself, huh? And at no point do... Like, the movie makes fun of their kind of lifestyle, but it also yes. paints it in a kind of sympathetic light because the characters within the film are sympathetic... In particular, Ellen, are sympathetic for yes. them. And even yeah. Clark gives Eddie yeah, he's five, like $500 out of his wallet. Like, he's happy to do it, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's just the... the Circumstances are so real and weird. <laughs> yeah, man. How about that clothes the poor boy cousin Eddie's son had to wear? Oh, his little cut offs and his like t shirt. His little half football jersey. Yeah. 
It's like, oh man, that kid grew out of his clothes. Yeah. And little uh, Jane Krakowski as well from 30 Rock. <laughs> yeah, thank you for pointing that out. I'm going steady. And I French kiss. So everybody does that. Yeah, but Daddy says I'm the best at it. That was a bit mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, just seeing um, uh, Jenna, like, yes. way, like, what, God, 82 to, yeah, like, 20, 30 years prior? So, yep. <laughs> um, and John Candy. Oh, yeah, of course. I like, I like me. My wife likes me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. I thought that's that's what I thought you were gonna say. No, no, like I, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, John Candy is so he he doesn't have a lot to do in the film, but what he does, he just brings his John Candy He's, charm. He, <laughs> John Candy is a good way of putting it. <laughs> that's awkward, cool. board, the, the awkward security guard looks like he's allergic to everything. Yeah, <laughs> apparently that was um, because he was an actor on SCTV, which was like the Canadian version of Saturday Night Live, mm. and Harold Ramis and Eugene Levy and all those guys have been working on that show. Yeah. Uh, that's really similar to a character he used to do on the show. So pretty much when uh, they needed okay. to reshoot it, that whole ending, Ramus just called him up. and was like, hey, John, can you come down for we like need... two days and do this character? We need him. You get to ride roller coasters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you do that for me, please? Yeah, it would have been a relatively easy reshoot to call back. Yeah. It, I suppose uh, the hardest thing would have been, you know, finding a closed down amusement park yes, to shoot in. one to actually, with a couple of roller coasters. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, no, it's not bad <laughs> at all. Um, no, no, no. It's a film that I've, I kind of first saw, maybe, I, I think I would have probably been about eight, eight to ten years old, I think. It might, I think yeah. I might have been seeing it on TV, like, yeah. weirdly, like, with my family and things, and just kind of sitting around, and it's like, oh, let's watch this comedy classic and things, and yep. ever since then, it's one I go back to periodically, because it is... It's just simple and nice and, you know, there's nothing... It's easy to watch. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it's not one that I go back to every year, but it's maybe I'll watch it once every four to five years or something like yeah. that. Like, I haven't... I've probably seen it maybe five to ten times in my whole yeah. life, so... It's got just the timing of the jokes, and they're not hard to enjoy. Like, even when they all fall asleep behind the wheel of the car. Yeah. And the car just, like, cruises through, and it's it's slapstick, slapsticky and silly, but... And it's a joke you know is you can see coming can a mile see, away. Yeah, you and, can see it coming for ages, that one. And you've seen it repeated in so many other things as yeah. well, also. But, you know, give it credit for, like, it does it nice, inoffensively, and yep. first, really, so... Yep. So, um... So, I suppose it comes down to the, uh, mm. So, Eric has a, an adult, you... It was fine. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. It was, it was fine. Um, def- definitely, like I said, I, I laughed out loud multiple times. It di- It just, for some reason, I just... I was sort of zoning in and out a little bit, sort of halfway through. Um, but no, I I, I chalked just, that up to the episodic. Yeah, I think so. Even though I was really enjoying it for a bit there, but um, yeah, um, but I think young Eric probably would have really liked it actually mm. because it it was it was clever enough with also being silly and simple enough. Yeah, I think I would have, um, and I wouldn't have thought too hard about you know the more like product of its time stuff that I yeah I, no I, you just breeze over that kind yeah, of stuff which, and. I don't know, like, I, I, I like the... I can respect the comedy of its time and things like that, but just some of that stuff is sometimes a little bit hard to see occasionally, so mm. I do have to always bring it up. Yeah, yeah. But young Eric wouldn't have noticed because it wasn't <laughs> because a thing. he would have been around in that kind of He would have been yeah. around, and um, it wasn't as much of a thing and all that. Um, yeah. So, no, I think I really would have liked it. Mm. Yeah. It it, been, it's almost I, like... Um, big... I like Leslie Nielsen films when I was younger. Yeah. Actually, go-to comedy, sorry, when, when on the topic, Ace Ventura... Yep. Definitely. Yep. And um and Naked Gun Perfect. and um and Hot Shots. Yeah, so the more kind of slapsticky kind I've got, of there's some great brothers. easy slapsticks and then yeah. some slightly more sort of you know, Britishy sort of ones at yep. other times. But no. So I do like a lot of the slapsticky stuff when I uh mm. <laughs> like yeah, Ace Ventura. Four. <laughs> it's a cool it's a yeah. stone cold classic there. It is. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, it's a it's a fun, simple, relatively inoffensive film that is yep. just E- easy to watch, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I guess unless there's anything else, we jump into some trivia. Yeah. Uh, so the film had a produ- an estimated production budget of around $15 million, and it grossed 61.3 at the US box office, uh, making it the 11th highest grossing film of 1983. Sounds like a success. So. Yeah, especially off that budget. Like, that's yeah. real solid. Uh, Return of the Jedi came in at number one that year. 
Yeah, probably yeah. did. <laughs> uh, adjusted for inflation, it made about $178.9 million nowadays. So okay. that's a stone cold hit, I would say. If it makes uh, over, you know, $100 million for a comedy, that's pretty... It's done well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the iconic poster art, which you kind of mentioned in the previous yes. episode when we pulled it out of the hat. like... I've got the DVD cover in front of me now. That real cartoonish sort of... Clark is like a Greek god hero sort of thing. Oh, holding the tennis racket. Yeah, and he's the... sort of got that like... Or the, almost like that 20s comic book style yeah. sort of... Um... Well, funny you should mention oh, uh, Here we go. <laughs> the poster art was by fantasy illustrator Boris Vallejo and is a parody of the poster art of Conan the Barbarian. There we go. Yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> Uh, the theme park that served as Wallywood World was actually Six Flags Magic Mountain in Valencia, California. Yeah, okay. In case, in case yeah. anyone was wondering. Yeah. And the roller coaster our uh, clerk referred to as the Whippersnapper is actually called the Revolution and was the first roller coaster to ever have a 360 degree vertical loop. Wow. Mm. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, yeah. Okay, so if you go back to when the film actually came out, that was went a to a seriously hardcore roller coaster. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I like hearing that sort of stuff. Because the perspective is what we lose, or yeah. I lose. Like we're saying, like product of its time stuff. I keep bringing that up because it's it's hard to judge that sort of stuff sometimes and understand what was technologically or just even visually groundbreaking. Yeah, because when we're first, different. like, you know, given them riding the rides at Wallywood, you're kind of like, man, you drove across country for this? It's not that Yeah, I'm great. like, I assume in the 80s this was awesome. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm just assuming this is really, really good because mm. it probably was, and that's... It was. That's good. <laughs> uh, exterior filming of the Griswolds on the road uh, took a greater part of three months during production, crossing numerous states including California, Arizona, Colorado, Missouri, and Illinois, uh, which was filmed by Second Unit, whilst most of the principal filming took place in California. The cast did travel on location for some scenes in Colorado, Utah, and Arizona. Gosh, yeah, okay. So it was so they, pretty they much... Committed to... They did a road trip across... Yeah. All the way to Illinois. Yeah, yeah, the actual journey, yep. Mm. And uh, now we're on to... Uh, it can't be the trivia without ending with uh, some alternate casting stuff. Yep, good. <laughs> uh, Kim Cattrall was the original choice for Ellen Griswold. So what on Sam- earth did she look like? Yeah, in the um, early 80s. Uh, well, I know her from um, another great classic 80s sex comedy called Porky's. She's in oh, that, as, in the, that um, she? yeah. as the very horny gym teacher. <laughs> So, Very good. Yeah, and uh, of course, Mannequin as well, the awesome movie mm. where a mannequin comes to life. Yes. What about that one? <laughs> uh, that might have to actually go on the list. It's pretty great. Uh, so, Richard Belzer <laughs> from Law and Order, oh, uh, yeah. Robert Klein, and Bill Murray were all considered for the role of Clark Griswold, while Robin Williams and Kenneth Mars were uh, considered for Cousin Eddie. Yeah, okay. I think they cast Chevy well then. I think Chevy's perfect for it. Bill Murray would have been too hammy. Bill Murray plays the underdog kind of... The champion of the underdog really well. Yes. He doesn't play the everyman. Like, now, later in his career, he does. Yes, yeah, now's it now. But early on, he was... Like, stripes, meatballs, Venkman, like that kind of... Yeah, the underdog hero guy. Yep. Um... And Robin Williams' cousin Eddie would have moved into that caricature thing that yes. Randy Quaid didn't. Yeah. You know. He would have done it pretty well, but it would have been a very different character. Extremely different. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that was that's about it for the trivia Sounds stuff. Sounds good. Yeah. So um, I guess it's about that time. It's hat time. <laughs> we almost need a theme song for that. We almost do, yeah. I'm trying to think of something cool. Okay. So I got the hat. Got the Got the names. The film for next time shall be... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I'm Bill S. Preston, Esquire. And I'm Ted Theodore Logan. Yeah! And we're Wild Stallions! Rad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this, is, this is a big one for me. I was, it's one of my favourites when I was a little kid. I, I really enjoyed this film. So. Yeah, it's one of those... Goofy sounding ones. Yep. I mean, well, it's excellent adventure, and the sequel is Bogus Journey. Yeah. Like, yeah. So. so I'm looking forward to seeing some more Keanu. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, now, we've got um, a bit of him in the hat. We've got a so. fair bit of Keanu in the hat. Yep. Um, <laughs> so really expanding my Keanu horizon. Um, great. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure next time. So um, fantastic. 
Well, I guess uh, that'll probably wrap us up for this week's episode looking at Harold Ramis' 1983 film National Lampoon's Vacation. God, that's a mouthful. <laughs> um, yeah, if you have any comments, queries, I would love to hear your thoughts on the film or... More importantly, if you, have, if you have any suggestions of films that we should put in the hat, what were some of your classic uh, 80s and 90s childhood films? We'd love to hear and uh, add them to our list. So uh, you can send us an email at haven'tseenpod at gmail.com. There is one thing I will leave us on uh, before, as we end this episode that is uh, related to Vacation, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I stumbled across an album uh, on Bandcamp uh, in September of last year called Dog Songs. Where it's a group, okay. it's a group of uh, <laughs> musicians and artists got together to make an album uh, for charity, actually, where all proceeds gone from buying either individual tracks or the album itself as a whole yep. goes to the ASPCA uh, to help dogs and uh, other animals that were displaced during um, Hurricane Harvey. Okay, how did yeah. you find this? I found this because um, one of uh, there's a music podcast I listen to called Jonah Radio, um, yep. done by uh, Jonah Ray, one of the co-hosts of Nerdist and uh, mm-hmm. the current host of uh, Mystery Science Theater. Ah, um, yes. He's done. Uh, he did a song dedicated. Uh, so basically, I should say the album is all songs dedicated to pop culture dogs. Yep. And so jo- okay. Jonah did a song about Chopper, the dog from the junkyard in Stand By Me. <laughs> um, and so they played a... He promoted the album and, you know, let people yep. know. So uh, if you're interested, it's uh, dogsongs.bandcamp.com. Uh, it's a really great cause. Donate some money. It's And more importantly, it's a great, actually really fun album uh, with a song by Mark Hoppus from Blink-182 called Not Every Dog Goes to Heaven, dedicated to uh, Dinky the Dog. <laughs> Wow. You lost. Man, okay. Well done on that find. Yeah. It does sound like a very good cause. Yeah. And particularly if you actually, you know, get some good music out of it. Yeah, it's a solid song that I'll kind of uh, use to close up this episode. Uh, so enjoy that, and uh, we'll see you in a fortnight's time. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, I'm Eric. I'm Chris. See you later. All I wanted was a happy family. Peter in the big, big basket. Ultimate cock my cousin Eddie Touch you up to the car behind me You could not keep up You could not keep up Not every dog goes to heaven Thinking you're such a fucking drag Sometimes you just have it coming 80's Chevy Chase was rad Got lost on the dark phoenix Explain this you son of a bitch Family on a quest Left a body on Numbers front yard Well, I'll be whistling dude the biggest hole in the West Biggest hole in the West Not every dog goes to heaven Thinking you're such a fucking drag Sometimes you just have it coming It's Chevy Chase was Chevy Chase was Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.